NFL Obsessed. Wow, it's been another full week filled with so much footy news and news in general, and one that's so reflective of the disruptive 2020 season and year. Just when you think all is right with the world, at least, because we have footy back. And I always look forward to the weekend because it means I'll have game after game to watch. And half the time I feel like I'm just trying to get to the weekend because, you know, it's been no holiday here except for Juneteenth this week. So it was really crushing when I found out mid-morning on Saturday during the game that things would come crashing down and the one that I was really looking forward to most would be postponed. And I never thought I'd want a time machine during this pandemic or to rewind to any other part of it, but that was before everything went sideways and once again we landed in the upside down of 2020. But first, some overall updates in sport here. So the NBA is resuming on July 30th at the ESPN Sports Complex in Disney World in Florida, and they will have their own bubble in a campus-like environment. So all players just have to notify their teams by June 24th if they don't want to participate. And most teams will start arriving in Florida July 7th through the 9th. So it's just around the corner. I mean, I can't even believe July 4th is under two weeks away. So the best 22 of the league's 30 teams will play eight games to finish the regular season, and then the top seven teams in each conference will advance to the playoffs, which will begin on August 17th. The league is implementing some wearable technology with their season resumption, which I found really interesting. And one of the tools is a smart ring. It's spelled O-U-R-A, so I'm just going to guess URA. And so the league is giving players and essential staff members the option to rock this. And it's a ring that measures temperature, breathing, and heart patterns with the potential capability of predicting COVID symptoms up to three days in advance with 90% accuracy. So that's kind of what they're saying about that particular ring. They're also requiring every player to wear a magic band which for people who haven't been to Disney, it's like a bracelet that you use as your room key for ordering meals at the parks. It's really easy because you just scan the bracelet on everything and it kind of catalogs everything for you. So you're kind of walking around with this information and you can kind of utilize it in so many different ways. The team will actually be using it for the players for contact tracing. And all team and league staff will be required to wear a small device on their credential that serves as a proximity alarm that will set off an audio alert when they're within six feet of another person for a period longer than five seconds. So it's just to help everyone adhere to social distancing guidelines. So that's what's happening with the NBA. And now let's talk Major League Baseball. So they can't seem to come to an agreement about the season in terms of the league and the players, though many proposals have been made and kind of rejected. So they're currently at an impasse and the Players Association has actually delayed the vote on the latest proposal after several recent outbreaks at the training facilities, several recent COVID outbreaks, that is. So all the training camps have temporarily been closed. And typically in a regular season, they play 162 games plus the playoffs. So they play roughly six days a week. That's a lot of games. So every day that this goes on really kind of jeopardizes their season from moving forward. And finally, let's talk golf in the PGA, which just kicked off again last week after a three-month hiatus. 
So a total of 369 individuals, including the players, the caddies, and essential personnel, were tested for COVID before this last tournament began. And all the tests were negative, but American player Nick Watney, who's a five-time winner on the PGA Tour, for anyone that is not familiar with him, he's the first player on the PGA Tour to test positive for COVID during this last weekend's tournament. So he missed the cut the weekend prior, so he traveled privately to South Carolina for this last weekend's tournament and not on the flight that was offered by the PGA. And when he arrived, he had tested negative. And on Wednesday, he played a practice round and was around other players. And Thursday, the tournament started where he was actually near more players. But on Friday, he began feeling symptoms, so he tested again, and that came back positive. So he's now withdrawn and will undergo a self isolated 10-day quarantine. I know other places have a 14-day implementation, but I guess the PGA just has a 10-day and he can end that quarantine after that period, provided he has no other symptoms or he has two negative test results 24 hours apart or more. So the general consensus among the group, though, was that it was inevitable. The playing group just really thought there are so many of us and during a pandemic and even in South Carolina, which is open. So that's been really interesting given the current reaction in Australia with the AFL, but more on that later. So how are you all feeling? I mean, what are you thinking about all of this? How are you handling life and COVID and sports kind of mixed in all together? My email is aflfootyobsessed at gmail or just aflobsessed on Twitter. I always love knowing your thoughts. Okay, so let's talk about round three. So there were six games that were slated for showing this last weekend here live on TV. So I was initially very excited about more visibility and just being able to showcase the games across the U.S. You guys know how I feel about that. And the two teams that started the round off have won five of the last seven grand finals. So the Tigers versus the Hawks game started at my 5.40 a.m. on Thursday. And there was a lot of speculation going in about how the team would fare without Dusty, who injured his ribs in training a few weeks ago. And as much as you think a player can't make or break a game or a player doesn't make up a team, it was pretty evident that they were missing a major component to the Tigers game. And so with the reigning premiers, um, the Tigers, and kind of another top grand final team, I guess the action that I somewhat expected after a couple of rounds was just another level of performance, but there were lots of missed shots and everything kind of just went awry when you could see like even Tom Lynch's set shot was just a prime example of like how the game went. And the Hawks flew away with that game very unexpectedly. So with the Bulldogs versus the Giants game, there was all this hype about how Bont would be targeted by the Giants, and so we were all kind of excited for an exciting play, and immediately there were goals within the first two minutes, and it really felt like the boys came to play from both sides, and I know BT was saying there were spot fires everywhere, and Dunkley, Jezza, and Perryman 
were all standouts, but there was a brawl at three-quarter time where there was just this big fight from both teams where currencies were torn and you could really just feel the passion of the game. And I know the AFL doesn't really love that, but the players can't really hurt each other. And I feel like as a fan, you know, there aren't really any punches that are thrown. You can kind of do sort of like a jumper punch, but I kind of loved that aspect of that particular game. So that was just like a memorable moment from that. And Bailey Smith was a standout. And the defense on the doggy side, I just felt like a glimmer of a throwback to 2016 vibes. And the doggies kind of came back to take that win after sitting on the bottom for consecutive losses. So that was another kind of big shock. And then with the Ruse versus Sydney, there was like a bang goal straight away. And I love when games start like that. And North was really dominating the stoppages early on. And Papley kept fighting. And I think it was really funny because Jordan Lewis was a commentator that just kept saying tonight. <laughs> I was like, are you talking about like in the US when I'm watching? But the most interesting part of this game to me is the AFL Review Center, which is dubbed the ARC. And that's kind of like their score review pod. So they have all this like technology in a hub that they can reference. And there were absolutely two different marks that were taken, but were ruled as behinds. So in my opinion, I just have to wonder about if you have all this amazing tech, like why are we making the wrong calls? <laughs> I don't know if you guys like agree with me there, but I really felt like Jai Simpkin was a standout. And then during the third quarter, there were just kind of murmurs about a player testing positive and the potential of the season getting shut down again all over social media. So I felt like there was also a race to naming the player too. But then they called a press conference for 4 p.m. Melbourne time, but it was 2 a.m. my time. So I'm just like waiting anxiously for this press conference to go down. And I actually was checking every website and every app that I have, and I couldn't get to it. So luckily, shout out to the Dr. Supercoach community peeps for just giving me a play-by-play -play of what was happening. So now that that's been announced, and what had happened is an Essendon player had tested positive, and there were just kind of doubts from an audience perspective of what we were going to do to continue the season. So now it's just about like what happened, what's in place and what's next. So for now, just the game has been postponed between Essendon versus Melbourne and investigations are underway. And Connor McKenna, who is the player who tested positive, he's in isolation as is the team because the club has been temporarily shut down and everything else now is just to be determined. So moving along to the Magpies versus the Saints game, this was a very clean game with kicks and ball movement overall. And I was really happy that the game was live here also so that Americans could really see like the style of play. And this is kind of just what I think is so exciting about the game. And Taylor Adams, Max King and Butler were all standouts. And then we move on to the double header. And luckily my boyfriend Andrew and I both have watch AFL because I wouldn't have been able to see both games unless I wanted to just bounce back and forth on the watch AFL app that I have, but I wanted to see them simultaneously. I know I'm doing the most, but for the Cats versus the Blues game, 
The Blues shocked early on, and they really cracked open the quarter with the first three goals, with even Casbolt kicking goals. And it was really interesting because Gary Ablett actually missed kind of like a big one when his team really needed it. But the Blues were dominant and in control for most of the game. But to Geelong's credit, they did crawl back in the final quarter. But one of the most memorable moments from this game was just this bizarre moment when Radagalia punched out Tomahawk's goal. I mean, you guys know I love Asava, but he literally stopped a Tom Hawkins, his teammate's goal from going through by just like punching it back into play at the goal line. And then the lovable Eddie Betts, who was such a clutch player, who was just hanging on for his team at the end, just so that they could win the game. And he laid a tackle at the end. And just being a leader for the team, I just really felt that that was a hard fought in one game because the Blues lost by one point last week and they were able to win by two. So that must have just been the most satisfying feeling for Carlton fans. And for the other game in the doubleheader, the Lions versus the Eagles, it was really cool to see the distance crowd at the GABA just kind of in checkerboard formation, everyone like on the second level or above. And it was a very defensive game at first, not super high scoring and pretty close for the first couple of quarters. But the Brisbane Lions ultimately roared over the struggling Eagles and The Eagles just didn't bring that level of intensity that you expect from that playing group, but Charlie Cameron was a standout there. So all the games were enjoyable. I just really wish that maybe one of the doubleheader games was on TV here so that I can, you know, just watch it live. But I'm so happy to have access to the games at all. So it was another weekend of footy. And I know there's just a couple of games left, but I'll have to save that for the wrap up. And if you think someone would like this podcast or would enjoy it, please share it with them. And I would love it if you would give the pod a review on whatever platform you're using. So out of all the games that I saw, I did call the Collingwood game, but there were some shockers this round. And it's really hilarious because I was telling Andrew that I just feel like I'm really good about calling games or maybe everyone feels this way but of course when I say it officially like I got most of them wrong (laughs) like the first time I put out any projections so hopefully it'll go a little bit better next week (laughs) but thanks for hanging with me stay safe and healthy check on your friends and neighbors we'll get through this like we have with footy I'm virtually hugging you always and we'll talk footy soon